We're in a brand new sermon series called Now What? And uh, if you're going to use social media to talk about the message, please use the hashtag Now What? Hashtag Now What? We can all go to that page and read the different comments and um, um, uh, be encouraged by what others got out of the message. And, uh, you know, God blesses. Boy, I worship. Wasn't that off the hook today? Man, good stuff, good words. Um, I love the content of the music, not just the, I love the music, but I love the content. I love the word that's in the music. It's just such a great job. Pastor Jared and Pastor Matt and their teams are so careful about that, making sure that we are not just singing Jesus is my boyfriend songs, you know, you know what I'm saying? Singing songs with some content in them, and I appreciate that so very very much. And then the band during the offering, that was really good. I, t- I told somebody backstage that sounded like a little Christian John Mayer right there. You get that boy saved. We got some music going on. Amen. Last I checked, he really needed to get saved too. So did I just judge somebody? I'm sorry. I apologize for that. A philosopher and poet of ancient China is the one credited for an often quoted statement. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Can we just all say that together? The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. We're going to be talking about taking steps. We're going to be talking about, okay, what do I do next in my Christian life? What's my next step? The scripture repeatedly describes our progress in our Christian life as walking. Walking in the Spirit um, throughout Scripture. I uh, knew it was in the New Testament, but as, as I began to dig, I found it in the Old Testament. All throughout the Bible, the progress in the Christian life, a picture for us, what makes it easy is simply making sure that we are always in motion on our Christian life, always moving forward, always taking steps. What is your next step? What is my next step? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been watching a um, fundraiser on television or a fundraiser on the radio? You've been listening to one on the radio and the guy all of a sudden gets real excited, the MC, the announcer, and goes, hey, we have just had a matching funds challenge come in. If we can raise $10,000 in the next hour, we have an anonymous donor who's going to match that. You ever heard that in a, in a fundraising effort and people get really excited and they get motivated and they think, so if I give $10, that means really it'll turn into $20 if we can reach this challenge. And then uh, some of you might work for a company, a very generous company where you uh, are in a retirement plan and they go, Hey, if you'll give this much, then we will match it into your retirement plan. Can I just tell you, if you've got that where you work, you better get in on that deal right there. Because if you give a dollar and they give a dollar, I don't know if y'all have done the math on that, but that's 100% return on your money right there. So matching, matching step for step, donation for donation. Did you know God made us the same promise? When it it comes to moving toward him, he made us the exact same promise. Now, this scripture is going to come up on the screen, but you don't need it to. You already know this verse. James 4 and 8. He says, if you will draw near to me, I will what? Draw near to you. 
You know what God's saying right there? It's your move, baby. It's your move. God goes, I'm ready, but I need you to take a step. And God says, when you take a step toward me, I'll take a step toward you. I don't know if you've done the math on that, but that's a 100% return on your effort moving toward God. So the question is, are you moving toward God? What direction are you going in? Are you moving toward God? Are you straying away from God? Are you, do you think you're just kind of treading water in your walk with God and in your spiritual life? Are you a better Christian today than you were a year ago? Are you more intimate in your relationship with God than you were in the past? Think about that promise. If you'll come near to me, God says, I'll come near to you. How generous is that? It just shows how much he loves us. I'll tell you what really touches my heart about that very simple promise that if you'll come near to me, I'll come near to you. It just tells me God wants to be near me. It just tells me that God Almighty in heaven yearns to have a good, close relationship with Pharaoh Hardison. That's amazing. That's amazing that God would feel that way about me. God feels that way about me. God feels that way about you. My mom and dad are here today and... I've got a son, and even today, my son is uh, 30-something years old. I don't like to think about it. It makes me feel old, but he's like 34, 35 years old. He, um, I love it even now when I get to see him, and the first thing we do is hug. I love, uh, saw my mom and dad today and reached out. I want to touch them. I want to I wanna. I want to be close to them. I want to embrace them and be embraced by them. God the Father wants to be embraced by you. He wants to embrace you. You say, man, I want to be closer to him too. You know what? You're as close to him as you want to be. You're as close to God as you want to be. People go, I want to go deeper. Then go deeper. People go, I want to be closer to God. Then go. It's like we're waiting for somebody. It's like we're, when this happens or when the church does that or when my small group covers this topic or this or this and we come up with a thousand excuses, God is ready. He says, you move toward me, I'll move toward you. So we're challenging you today. We're laying it out there. We want you to move toward God. We want you to ask yourself two basic questions today. What is my next step? toward God. And everybody's got one. Everybody's got one. What is my best next step toward God? And the other question I want you to answer is this. If God will show that to me, I'll take it. I'll take that next step. Well, I got news for you. God's already shown it to you. He's already shown it to you in his word. Get it. You know what your next step is? For those of you who go, I don't know what my next step Your next step is to read the Bible so you can find out what your next step is. Read the Scriptures. It's clear in His Word. So as we um, look at this and we consider the fact that every one of us has a next step, if I was sitting out there where you guys are, I'd have a question. You know what that question would be? What about you, Pastor? What about you? Well, you know, I've been a Christian a long time. I'm 58 years old, and I had a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ at the age of seven years old. Now, I'm not saying all children can do that. I did that because my mom brought me up in church from day one. And so I knew about the cross and the empty tomb, and I knew that I needed a Savior. 
at the age of seven years old, I knew I wanted Jesus in my life. And I remember that night, just like it was yesterday. I'm not kidding you. I prayed and went to the altar. Some people came and prayed with me, and I received Christ into my life. And I remember, you know, back in the old days, some of y'all remember old school when people hung around church after church was over because there wasn't anywhere to go. (laughs) Now we got places to go, people to see, things to do. But back in the day, church was the big social event of the week. And I remember going to the car. And I remember sitting in the car by myself waiting for mom and daddy to get there. And I remember just weeping, seven years old, just weeping and saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming into my life. You know, I was strung out on lifesavers. And <laughs> I started to say Skittles, but there were no Skittles when I was. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I, was, I was a kid. I, of course, there were no really black marks on my life, but I was lost. I needed a Savior, and I knew it. Now, maybe you're here today. And you just have never thought about that. You need a Savior. Maybe that's your first step. That you would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That he died on the cross for you and rose from the dead. And you'd know that he did that for you. And you would reach out and embrace that today. And just receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. But I would ask that question. Pastor Farrell, if we've all got a step, what's yours? What's Pastor Andrew's? What's Pastor Jeremy's? What's, that, what's Pastor Matt's next step? Matt Bartley, because we know he needs to catch up. He's behind on his steps. <laughs> Pastor Scott and Sherry and Pastor Andy, Pastor Jared, Pastor Jimmy, Pastor Josh. What about Pastor Josh this morning? Wasn't that some great stories of what God is doing through our student ministry? We ought to celebrate that. You know, we don't only have a student ministry here where we say students come and we will teach you to sing, we'll teach you the songs of God, we'll teach you the Bible. But once we get you here and we teach you that, then we take those kids out and say, now let's go. Because God didn't tell the sinners to come to church, but he did tell the church to go where they are. And so I love that about our student ministry. I love that about our church. We don't want to be an inward church. We want to be an outward church. And so When I read this, it just stirs my heart to think that God wants to be near me. You know, what's Pastor Jim Gilligan? He's our executive pastor. Has he got a next step spiritually? Sure. All of us do. Every single one of us do, including your senior pastor who has been saved back in B.C. before Carpet. So what is my next step? And if I know it, here's the big one, am I willing to take it? Am I willing to take it? Let's look at some stages that you might be in today. We've already talked about one of them. Maybe you're here today and you're not a believer. You haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, but you're checking things out. And maybe it's come out of a loss in your life or maybe the Holy Spirit is just calling you and and you're just sensing a call from God to come. Um, Maybe you're here today and You've tried this and you've tried that and you've tried this and that and nothing's working. Nothing's bringing real joy in your life. Nothing's bringing real fulfillment. So you slipped in today and you're just sitting here and you're going, you know, I'm not ready yet to make a commitment. I'm not ready to do that, but I'm just checking things out. That's okay. You know why that's okay? 
Because every one of us have been there. Every one of us in this building have been there. And so maybe that's the stage you're at. And I'll tell you what your next step is. Your next step is to believe. Receive Christ. Allow Christ to receive you. The Bible talks in Romans about adoption. He wants to adopt you into his family. See, being a good person isn't enough. Doing good things isn't enough. You have to have a personal relationship with God, and that only comes through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you're a new follower. Maybe you came last weekend, Easter. A lot of people come at Easter, and they make a commitment to Christ at Easter. And maybe you're a brand new Christian, and you don't know what to do next. You don't know what your next step is. We're going to help you with that. As a matter of fact, we got a whole section on our website, bridgechurch.cc is our website. You can go there and click on Next Steps, and we've got a whole list of things you can do to improve your walk with God and and uh, enhance your relationship with God. Maybe you're a Christian who, uh, who's been a Christian for a while, but things have uh, kind of stalled out. You got off to a great start. It was really exciting for a while, but it kind of stalled on you, and you're feel to, feeling a little stale as a Christian, a little cold, a little dry, and you just need to get things cranked up. You stopped walking. You were walking, and you were taking those steps every day, but you've kind of uh, stopped walking, and, and things have gotten a little bit um, less motivating. You've lost a little bit of your mo- momentum. And here's what happens when that happens. You can get in real trouble. Because see, the world we live in, and you've heard me say this many times, there is a current, like a river, in this world. And it is not flowing toward God. It is not flowing toward good things. It is not flowing toward you thinking about eternity and getting your life right with God. The, the current of this world is flowing opposite. It's flowing in the other direction. So you have to be, to be a powerful Christian, to be a strong follower of Jesus, you have to fight the current. You have to fight the flow of this world. You have a current in you called human nature, your human nature, the nature you were born with. and you, that's, a, that's something you have to fight. And that's why you have to connect to a power that is not your own if you're going to win this battle. Listen, there's nothing in you. There's nothing in you that will cause you to win this spiritual battle. You have to reach out, reach out to Christ. So I'm challenging my unbelievers today. It's time to step up and believe and come on in the family. I'm talking to my Christians today who've kind of stalled out. You say, you mean, Pastor, after you become a Christian, you can stall out? You know what, you know what Paul said about one of the guys that was really close to him one time? He said, I want you to pray for him because he has forsaken the ministry. He's forsaken me because he loved this present world. So, yes, yes, you can turn. You can turn. You can, you can not uh, flow with what God is wanting you to do. And you'll look around one day and things are so cold and so stale and you're out from under that protective hand of God. So if that's happened, you need to come back. You need to stir yourself. You need to let the Holy Spirit stir you and say, God, I need to be stirred up on the inside. I, I've gotten away. I've gotten cold. I'm indifferent. I need you to stir me up. So let's go to the Scriptures. Let's go to the book of Acts, and these Scriptures will come up on the screen. And we're going to go to chapter 2. And I want before that Scripture comes up, though, I want you to, uh, I want you to let me give you a little background here. Um, the church is brand new in Acts 2. 
As a matter of fact, when you read the book of Acts, have you ever read books of the Bible when you get to the end, there will be a little salutation at the end. So the Lord be with you and keep you and, you know. But when you get to the last part of the book of Acts, it just chops off. You ever been watching one of those TV shows and it's right at the really, really good part? And what's the next thing that comes up on the screen? I hate that, to be continued next week. No, man, what happened? I want to know right now. I don't have any patience. Um, That's how the book of Acts is. And let me tell you why the book of Acts is like that. Because it's still going on. The book of Acts is still going on. That's why there's no salutation at the end of that book. You see, we are in what's called the church age. And the church was born on the day of Pentecost when the power of the Holy Spirit came down in the upper room and 120 were filled with the Spirit. Not so they could stay in that room and celebrate until Jesus comes back, but Jesus made it clear. You will be filled with the Spirit so you may what? Go. Go out. God said the infilling of the Holy Spirit is not for your enjoyment, it is for your employment. So he said, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, but I want you to then take that new power, that new touch of God in your life, that new anointing. I want you to take that new strength, that new boldness, and I want you to go into the dark world and be Jesus to them. What's our philosophy here at the bridge? If you will go out in the world and be Jesus to people, you'll get to talk to people about Jesus. Now, if you go out in the world and you just start talking about Jesus, you're going to get a lot of shut doors. But when you feed the hungry, when you lift up the downtrodden, when you put your arms around the brokenhearted, when you go out into the world and you are Jesus to people, they want to know why. They want to know, why do you love me like this? Why do you care about me like this? And that's when you can say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And at the end of your story, they're going to look at you and go, can Jesus do that for me? And you will tell them yes, and you'll lead them to a personal relationship with him. So these people saw Jesus die, this new church, this baby church. They witnessed his burial in the tomb. They celebrated his resurrection from the dead. They watched as he ascended back into heaven, and they saw and heard the angel proclaim that this Christ who has gone away will return in like manner as you have seen him go away. We believe Jesus is coming, don't we? Did y'all sing that last song with Pastor Jared talking about the coming of the Lord? We believe in that. And they waited and waited and waited. As a matter of fact, they stayed there for a while, just waited, and they thought, well, maybe he's coming right back. But he still hasn't come back yet. And they received the power of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And, you know, Peter, before he was filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, Peter, uh, there was a strength he didn't have. There was a a power he didn't have. There was a stickability he didn't have. But boy, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says he was bold. He was a different man. And he began to preach. And he preached with a penetrating power that broke through the most skeptical heart, the hardest heart. And man, when he started preaching, people started believing. People started trusting. People started accepting Christ. As a matter of fact, let's go right to the scriptures, Acts chapter 2, and look at verse 41. It says, therefore, those who accepted, these were unbelievers, those unbelievers who accepted and welcomed his message, whose message? Peter's message, 
were baptized. Well, when you get baptized, what does that mean happened to you before that? You got saved. Because we don't baptize people until they come to Christ. Water baptism doesn't save anybody. Water baptism is something you do after, follow me now, after you have accepted and welcomed the message of the gospel into your heart, you are born again, and then we will baptize you. So look at these next steps. So it looks like right there the next step for a person who's not a believer is to stop rejecting and start accepting. Stop pushing away and start welcoming the message of the gospel. When you do, you will be you will experience something, and I know a lot of people say uh, churches shouldn't do this because it's kind of like Christianese, but you will be born again. You will be born the second time. The Bible talks about in John chapter 3 a second birth, and Jesus is talking to Nebuchadnezzar there, and Nebuchadnezzar is a good man. He is a religious man. He knows his Bible. Listen to me, but he's lost. He doesn't have a relationship with Christ, and Christ says, Nicodemus, you want to go to heaven when you die? Anybody here want to go to heaven when you die? He said, well, let me ask you something. Have you been born again? Nicodemus didn't know what this, went, this meant. So he went to crazy land and said, you mean i got to go inside my mom and be born again? Jesus went, that's way too freaky. That's not in your Bible, but that's in my Bible. Jesus said, no. Jesus said, you've been born of woman. Oh, y'all been born a woman? Anybody? Everybody born a woman? Because if you're not, I want to get my picture with you after service. Put it on Facebook. So everybody's born of woman, but you, listen to me, you've got to experience a second birth. You want to go to heaven when you die? You want to have the power of God in your life in this world? Then there's a second birth you have to experience. Jesus said it. It was very clear to Nicodemus. You must be, everybody say it, born again, born the second time. I preach this all my life. I've been a preacher since I was 17 years old, and I've preached it and preached it and preached it. And I remember I had a lady come up to me one time. She said, why do you keep saying you must be born again? Why do you say that every Sunday over and over? I said, here's why. Listen, write this down. Because you must be born again. <laughs> That's why. That's why. It's not an option. Cleared it right up for her. She left happy. Therefore, those who accepted the message of Jesus, those who welcomed the gospel of Jesus Christ into their life, were baptized, which means they believed and were saved. Now, there's the next step. If you've believed and received, baptism's a good next step for you. Now, the way we do it around here, is we put you under. We're going to mess your hair up. We're going to mess your hair up around here. And you say, well, I got sprinkled and I'm good with that. Well, you know what? Here's what I say about that. That's between you and God. You and God work that out. If you're cool with that and you and God and God said that's cool, then, then that's fine. But here's why we don't sprinkle. Here's, how, here's why we, we do it full-blown, put you under, hold you under till you say tithe. That joke works every time. So, so we put you under because, listen to me, baptism pictures something. The act of water baptism pictures something. See, if you ask me, hey, man, I've never seen your wife. If you ought to picture your wife, and I get my phone out, you know, and I go, right there she is, there she is. And you look at that and go, well, that's not, that's a, that's a picture of a waterfall. 
And I go, well, any picture will do. If, if somebody wants to see a picture of my wife, I need to show them a picture of Millie, don't I? Not any picture will do. So, so the reason we do water baptism is because of the picture. When you go down in the water, that is death to sin, death to self, death to Satan, death to the old life. When we pull you back up out of the water, that is a picture of resurrection into new life. You are publicly, when you are water baptized, you are publicly identifying with Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus need to be baptized? No. Did he get saved and then they go, well, you got saved, Jesus. You need to get baptized. No. You say, well, why did he get baptized? To identify with us. Jesus got baptized to identify with man. We get baptized to identify with Jesus. Because I'm telling you, when you get baptized and we give you a shirt, you get a free T-shirt. I think some people get baptized just get the free T-shirt. But the T-shirt says, what does it say on the front? I died in this shirt. Now, that'll get attention at, at a McDonald's. Because <laughs> they'll go, well, you're back, <laughs> you know. Um, so you die to sin, self, and Satan, resurrected in the new life. And so it's a picture of what happened to you before water baptism day. You died to sin, died to self, died to Satan, and came back alive because of the gospel of Jesus Christ and your faith in that gospel. You received a new life. Did you read the songs today? The words in the songs talked about how God has delivered us from death. We've been delivered from death because until you become a follower of Jesus, the Bible says you are dead in your what? Trespasses and sins. And so when you are born again, you are raised to new life. You go, I don't believe all that stuff. I just think if you're a good person, you get to go to heaven. Well, how's that working out for you? Because i got to tell you, Jesus looked at Nicodemus and didn't say a good idea you might want to think about he said, you must experience the new birth. So um, they're baptized, and uh, they were added. So when a, when a church is preaching the gospel boldly, and people are accepting the gospel, and they're welcoming the gospel message, then people are going to get saved, aren't they? Okay? So that when they get saved, what's going to happen next? They're going to get baptized, and it's going to cause the church to grow. Now, we believe in the church growing here at the bridge. And I run into pastors all the time who tell me that the church they pastor has told them flat out, we don't want to grow. How in the world does that work? I've had churches say to me, um, we want to get people saved, but we, want, we don't want new people coming in. We don't mess up our church, you know. How does that work? How do you get people coming to Christ, but your church isn't growing? Your church isn't moving forward. But I'm telling you, many, many churches are plagued with this messed up idea. When you preach the gospel boldly and people come to Jesus Christ and people are getting baptized, there are going to be people what? Added to the church. And on that day, that one day, boy, it must have been some sermon. On that day, how many came to that church? I would be freaking out. 
I'm telling you right now, we've grown from 70 to 1,700 in 25 years coming up in June. And I'm telling you, it's been all I can do to keep up with it. I can't imagine 3,000 people coming into church on one day. But they did. Go to the next slide. Because, see, listen, when God's in the house, that church, church is going to be attractive. He said, if I be lifted up, I will what? Draw. I will draw people. Listen to me. Can I preach to you? If you're here from another church, you're visiting today, we're glad to have you. But I'm going to tell you, if you're one of those folks that just keeps your church smothered down all the time because you don't want the church to grow, you know, your family's in it, and you got your really close friends in it, and uh, you really don't want new people coming in because, you know, they might not look like you look, and they might not smell like you smell, and they may not wear their hair like you wear your hair, and, you know, they may not... Uh, just be like you. I mean, they could be from like a foreign country like California come in your church. You know what I'm saying? And mess your church up. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, most churches, I'm going to just be honest. I'm going to go beyond a lot, and I'm going to say most churches I run into today are plagued with that idea. That somehow their church is a club for their family. A club for their close friends. And they want people to get saved, but then they want them to go away. Hey, send them to the bridge. Get them saved. Well, I, I, one fellow, he was trying to be critical of our church. He said, he told a fellow, this guy had a bunch of piercings and, you know, had one of them rooster haircuts and he had uh, all kind of tattoos. He said, my church isn't going to ever accept you. He said, go to the bridge. They'll take anybody. Can I say praise God for that right there? You know how I know they'll take anybody? I'm here. Amen. So he says, and they, and I want you to look at these words, and I've got to hurry up because time is moving on. And they steadfastly, are you steadfast? I love these words that describe this early church. These are the same qualities we need in the bridge. Somebody say, God, give us more steadfastness in the church. I mean, if you want to continue prayer, you can say, God, no more wishy-washy people. Quit, you know, quit being up and down and in and out. Let's get what? Let's get what? Steadfast. Let's, and when problems come along, what are we going to do? Persevere, baby. We're going to persevere. Well, one guy in the early service thought that was preserved. He got really excited. He thought it was uh, like strawberry preserves. <laughs> and they steadfastly what? Push through the problems. How many of you know churches going to have problems? You say, I'm trying to find a church without problems. Don't join it. You will mess it up. <laughs> and they steadfastly persevered through problems, and they did what? They devoted themselves. How? Constantly. Oh, I love that word. It means consistent to the what? Instruction. That's the word of God. And fellowship. How many of you know we need each other? But it was not just of the people around them, but their leaders. Their leaders promoted this environment, promoted this atmosphere. They said, we are not a club for Christians. We are a hospital for broken people. That is the culture I want in this church all the time. I mean, I know I've seen some people come in the door and your first reaction is, huh, I know that. But right after that, go, welcome. So let's go over that. Ah, welcome. 
How many of y'all want people coming to the bridge that when you first see them, it's, whoo! Amen? You say, I had somebody walk in the other Sunday. I believe I smelled weed on them. Hallelujah! <laughs> Hallelujah! That's what we got the snack bar for. Let me tell you, <laughs> we tell you about those people with weed. They are very friendly. <laughs> Put them right on the hospitality. <laughs> We're not recording this, are we? And they steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves constantly to the Word of God, instruction, and fellowship, love of the apostles to the breaking of bread. They got food in here, hallelujah. And that breaking of bread included meals together, and it included what? Communion, the Lord's Supper. And they also, and these are all next steps for some of you. Some of you aren't steadfast. You need to get steadfast. Some of you are not persevering. You need to learn to persevere. Some of you need to devote yourselves more thoroughly. Some of you need to uh, get in the Word of God more constantly. Some of you need to hook up and get some fellowship going in your life. You're trying to live the Christian life isolated. You can't do it. You need me. I need you. We need each other. I'm preaching up in here. Now, we pretty much got this one down, the eating part. But that enhances fellowship, doesn't it? And they, they developed in their what? Prayer life, in their prayers. Look at the next verse. And because of all that, the environment of that church was irresistible. The environment of that church was irresistible. There was a sense of awe. Reverential fear came upon how many? That means in the church they were going, wow. And the lost community outside was looking at the church going, wow. They ought to be out there looking at us, going, one day I'm going to get me some of that. We ought to be living in a way, there ought to be an environment in here that the lost man out there knows he can walk in here and he's going to get loved and he's going to get accepted and he's going to get the message of Jesus Christ. They're going to see us feeding the hungry. They're going to see us open the bridge to hope and begin to minister to people medically and begin to minister to addicts. And we're going to raise our level of outreach and the community that doesn't know Jesus will go, wow. A sense of awe in the community because we're doing what Jesus told us to do. Listen, you can build buildings like this and we can get our smoke going and our lights and I love all that stuff. You know, it makes me feel like I'm at a concert. I love it. And uh, some of y'all don't like it, but you'll get over it. Um, and I like all that, but ladies and gentlemen, it's his presence that makes this place have that awe, that holy cow, whoa, what is that? I got to tell you, man, I felt it in worship today, and I was backstage for most of worship, and it was back there too, because it's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. Fear came upon every soul. Wonders and signs were done. Stuff you can't explain. 
You ought to have stuff going on in your church you can't explain. You ought to have the word getting out about people's lives being changed and go, hey, I heard old mean so-and-so got saved at your church. Yeah? How'd that happen? I don't know, man. We just loved on him, accepted him like he was. But he was this and this and this and this, and y'all accepted him like he was. Yeah, that's how Jesus accepted me. Matter of fact, you think you're all clean. You've got a bunch of stuff going on in your life. Just don't many people know about it. He'll take you like that too. Did I, did I say that out loud? I did say that. All right? And they had uh, uh, those signs were performed through the leaders. Go to the next slide. And all who believed, all who got saved, I know that's a Christianese word, but that's it. All who were born again, all who believed. And see, I love this because, and this is the amplified version of the Bible, and the amplified version does a lot of work for you, so you ought to have one. Believe doesn't mean, okay, I believe in the cross. I believe he was buried in the tomb. I believe he rose from the dead, so I'm a Christian. No, 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 no. Because believe doesn't mean just believe. That's why there's a lot of people in churches today who think they're Christians and they're not. They think they're followers of Jesus and they're not because they believed on some historical event. The word believe means those who adhere to and trust in and rely on Jesus Christ. It means giving him your life, not just believing in some historical event. Going to some big drama where Jesus comes out of the tomb, and I don't have anything against those. We used to do that here. But you can go to one of those things and cry and weep, and you can go out of there lost. You've got to adhere to, rely on, uh, trust in the Lord Jesus for yourself. They were united. Thank God for churches that are united. You ever been in a church that wasn't united? You ever been in a church that they were all full of God but fighting like cats and dogs? That's a great testimony. That's a great witness. If I was a lost person out in the community and see these churches and they got these big steeples and they got these all this stuff and walk in there and they're fighting and fussing with each other, I'd be very confused. Churches need to be united. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have different opinions. We Look, we got a staff. Our staff has different opinions. Church board, owners, we call them owners here. We have different opinions. Can you all believe everybody didn't want this building to look exactly like it looks right now? But it does, and we're all still here. You know, there's some battles to fight and some battles not to fight. I like harmony, really, in a church better than I like unity. Now I know what unity means. But when I think about a four-part gospel group, I still like a little southern gospel on the side. Amen. Anybody out there with me? And um, I like it when they get up there and sing. But I've seen four guys get up in the same suit and sing the same note. And that's, that's harmony. I mean, that's, uh, that's unity. They're all singing the same song, singing the same note. You know, pointing their finger. But boy, when one of them sings tenor, and one sings baritone, and one sings lead, and one sings bass, they're all singing something different, but it harmonizes, and it's so much prettier. Wouldn't this be a boring place if we all had the same opinion, the same idea, the same thought processes? Thank God we're different. But in Jesus, even, even with our differences, we can what? Blend together beautifully and make a beautiful sound for Jesus in this world. I'm now closing. 
united and together. They had everything in common. That means they shared with each other. Go to the next one. And they sold their possessions and distributed the price among all. That means that they, it just basically means they took care of each other. We're not going to ask you to sell something and give the money to the church. But if you do, <laughs> we will take it. And we will spend it for the glory of God. But that isn't what that means. Um, it means they just took care of each other. As, according as any had what? Need. A healthy church takes care of each other. They look after each other. Now, we, here's a, let me give you an old southern. All you people from out west and up north, write this down. I can't take you to raise now. How many southerners know what that means? I can't take you to raise, but I can help you out when you're in trouble, but you can't always be in trouble. You got to get up in the name of Jesus, brush yourself off, and get back, in the, get back into life. I can't, that ought to be in the Bible. I can't take you to raise. Next verse. And day after day, they what? Regularly assembled in the temple with, I love this, with a what? I feel like our church has got a united purpose. We're not perfect, but I feel like everybody's on the same page. We know where we're going. We know what kind of church we want to be. And we know to be the kind of church we want to be, we're going to get talked about and criticized. But I think we're all on the same page with that. We're cool with that, aren't we? And in their homes, that's small groups, life groups. That might be your next step, to get in a life group. Listen, you can't do the Christian life alone. Sometimes I drift. And when I drift, I need somebody to go get me. I need somebody to reach out there and get me. And sometimes you drift, and maybe I've got my anchor down good, so I'll reach out there and get you. We need each other. Everybody say that with me. We need each other. If you're not in a life group, you need to get in a life group. Hey, you say, well, what, about, what if I join a team like the hospital? Like, great, because we'll, that's, like a, that's like a connection. Just get connected. Get connected. So, you got, so you're building a relationship. Um, I saw a quote this week. I cannot think of the guy's name, but I, I put it on the Bridge Facebook page. He said, a big church will be a small church if you will start serving in that church. A big church will become a small church if you'll start serving on a team in that church. Isn't that true? How many of you kind of felt disconnected, but when you started serving, all of a sudden you had friends. All of a sudden you knew people. So get connected. Temple with purpose, and in their homes they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. They partook of their food. I love this, with gladness. I partake of my food with gladness, don't y'all? But you know what that's saying right there? Joy, joy, joy. Joy is the major ingredient in a church being attractional, in a church being attractive to the lost community. Look, let me tell you something. Lost people out there in the world who don't know Jesus Christ yet, when they come in here, they don't want to see a bunch of sad faces. They, they, they don't want to see you look like you got baptized in vinegar. It's like I, I, I've been to some churches and I'm like, I'm sure their baptistry is full of vinegar because everybody in here has got a sour look on their face. My mom's sitting here and sometimes when I was a little boy and didn't get my way, my bottom lip would drop. How many of y'all, my mom would say, you better roll that up on a stick or you're going to step on it. <laughs> I'm giving y'all some southern lingo today. Uh, another one was... Uh, Man, that boy, that guy's face is so long, he could eat peas out of the bottom of a quart jar. I mean, that's a long face right there, isn't it? 
How many Christians, haven't you met Christians? Some of y'all get those going home, but haven't you met Christians that you go, man, if that's being a Christian right there, I, don't, I believe I'm good. <laughs> I believe I'm good. Because, man, I've met some sour, sour Christians. The Bible says they had what? Gladness. And it wasn't complicated to be a part of that church. It was simple. And that church was very generous. Look at the next one. Last verse, constantly praising God. Some of you aren't going to have a spiritual breakthrough till you learn how to worship. You need to learn how to worship God. You, you got your Bible study down, you pray, but you haven't learned to worship. I thought Pastor Jared pushed this a little bit this morning, and I liked it. We need to learn to praise. We need to learn to worship. We need to learn to express thanksgiving and praise and adoration and not just look at God and, uh, and say, gimme, 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 gimme. We need to look at God and go, before I ask for anything, I just want to honor you. Praise. You need to develop your worship life. You know what? You say, well, I don't feel like doing all that in a public place. Let me tell you something. Do it privately. Worship God privately. And when you get in here, you'll, you'll feel your hands will just begin to go up. and You'll just begin to go to another level in worship. But if you're not doing it privately, it's going to be odd to you in here publicly. I'll just wait for you all to calm down with all those amens. But that's, that's good preaching right there. And I, I'm not charging anything extra. Praising God and being, I love this, and then I'm, I'm going to close. Being in favor with goodwill. Uh, being in favor and goodwill with the people. Now, here's what that means. That means that what was going on in that church and what that church was doing in the community not only caused the people in the church to like the church, but it caused people who weren't in church yet to say, you know what, I'm not in church, I'm not a believer, but I like that church. And if I ever do get connected with a church, it's going to be a church like that church. See, they didn't just have favor in the church. You ever heard one of these preachers preach us and them, us and them, us and them? And they cry, try to act like, you know, you're in here and you're in this little isolated area and now you're about to leave and go where the mean people are. And, you know, they're our enemy. I don't preach that here. Man, we're going to go out there and be loving. We're going to go out there and be non-judgmental. We're going to go out there and be accepting. And they're going to see us and they're going to say, you know what? When I come to Jesus, or if I ever do, and if I ever get in church, it's going to be a church like that one right there. Because I think that's how Christians really act. Y'all with me? They had favor in the community. They had favor in the community. And the Lord kept adding, so the church kept growing to their number daily. Those who were being saved from spiritual death. So it wasn't just numbers. It wasn't just numbers, but it was conversions. It was people who were on a path to hell were being moved on to a path to heaven. So it wasn't just getting big numbers and big crowds. It was about changing people's lives. That's what the bridge is all about, changed lives. That's why I want you to take a next step. I don't care where you are. I'm the senior pastor, and I'm seeking God right now. I know some things I need to do right now to go to my next level. 
He's already revealed it to me as I've put these sermons together. So God's going to reveal to you. God's going to show you. Now, if you don't spend any time with him, if you don't ask him, if you're not going to take this challenge of this sermon series, then you're not going to know. You're going to stay treading water, and really you're not treading water. It's like being at the beach, and there's this tow and you're swimming in front of your family, and then all of a sudden you're ready to come out, and you're way down the beach. Who's ever done that? And you thought you were going to come out right where you went in. But see, there's been this undertow the whole time moving you down, moving you down. And some of you, we don't want to see you swimming at the beach. I just want to mention that. Some of y'all, we don't want to see. Albino whale. Anyway, I just threw that in, I just threw that in for free. So, so you're going to drift. You're going to drift. You, you don't tread water. Some of you think, well, you know, I really haven't moved very far in my Christian life. I'm just kind of treading water. No, you're not. You're going backward. So we've got to wake up. We've got to be intentional and take some steps toward God. What's your step? Will you take the challenge? Let's all stand. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this awesome challenge. Because, God, the first person it challenges is me. Because I'm just preaching a message today, but this message is to me. And I thank you for your word, and I thank you for challenging me, and I thank you for waking me up. There's some areas in my walk with you where I had kind of gone to sleep. A little, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. And, God, I thank you for waking me up in some areas, and I pray you'll wake up this whole church. I thought about if everybody in our church takes a step, then that means our whole church took a step. We took a whole a step, every one of us together, toward you. Because you said, if you will move toward me, I'll move toward you. It's our move, God. It's Farrell's move. It's Eddie's move. It's Pastor Andy's move. It's this church, the bridge. It's our move. Are we going to move toward you, God? Because you welcome us. Your arms are outstretched. You want us to come toward you so you can have intimacy with us. Will you, will you seek God for your next step? And then when he shows you, will you do it? That's the challenge. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said...